Welcome to the Decent Crypto Podcast. Today is Saturday, July 9th. We are live from New York City. I'm here with Matthew Blumberg. Matt, how are you doing today? I am enjoying the day. You are uh, enjoying, you're enjoying from Denver. We're not live from New York City. I'm live from New York City. <laughs> How's Denver, man? Uh, it is really hot out, actually. It was like 100 <laughs> degrees yesterday. It's absolutely I wild. I shocked uh, to hear that. Yeah, um, it's a dry heat, as they say, uh, but I'm heading out soon for ETHCC. Oh, baby. Well, what are you most excited about for ETHCC? Uh, you're gonna, <laughs> you're you're gonna you're gonna hate me for saying this. I already hate I'm... everything about this. I know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. Obviously, the thing I'm most excited about is the Rave. Oh my god. <laughs> This That's, is uh, <laughs> this is the Ave themed rave that they throw oh, yeah. at like every major conference. Um, <laughs> Look, this um, is my thesis on why everybody hates crypto. We just because... can't come up with fun memes or fun things. We just can't have nice things. Rave, come on, bro. Raves are a thing that have happened since the beginning of humanity. Like we don't need to change the name now. Rave, just just go rave. Just go have a party. Rave, friends, take some drugs. Yeah, uh, the Rave. I'm so all out on this idea, the Rave. Although <laughs> do it does you, sound... What do you call it if you take ecstasy at a, at a Rave? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What do you call it? E-mode. Ha! Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's an Ave V3 joke. <laughs> okay, let's, wow. we, we, we can wow. wrap this one. <laughs> We're really doing efficiency mode jokes about ecstasy. Nice. Well, <laughs> that's why people tune in to the decent crypto podcast for mm -hmm. the best kind of content mm -hmm. um but look people have been writing into us with genuine genuine concerns they want to know what is going on in the markets in the world in i don't know the state of the cosmos and not the chain the, the state the of the universe. <laughs> no one cares about. No one cares about cosmos. Nobody cares about cosmos. The there was one guy who tried to ask us about cosmos and Juno, and Matt cyberbullied him, and then he deleted his account, and then he proceeded to lose all of his money because he held his Juno even when we told him not to. Uh, so we did try and save him, but you know, <laughs> not everybody listens to our advice. That is why we are now starting a segment called not financial advice matt can you explain to the listeners what this segment's going to be about this is really a, a community resource i would say for the decent crypto podcast community so we're gonna have uh listeners write in feel free please to write write to us on twitter um at decent crypto pod um and uh and just ask us your questions you know uh like we said this is not financial advice. Um, so we're going to give uh, a couple of we're, we're going to read a couple of letters from a couple of uh, concerned uh, listeners um, who are just looking for, you know, a push in the right direction, I would say. Yeah, they're really looking for not financial advice about themselves, their friends, their family. Uh, people have been writing us and asking, like, you know, can you help me with this situation I'm in? Can you help me with this position I've taken uh, either, you know, whether that be a stance or an actual position in the market and we tell them look we don't give financial advice but we, we can help out as much as possible and uh so we started this segment you know it's it's 
going to be called not financial advice because the important thing here is to remember this is not financial advice. So let's get into it, Matt. Uh, I got a couple people that have written in and uh, they're looking for uh, our advice here, not financial advice. Okay. <clears throat> now I, I'm going to obscure the names just to uh, just to just for people's people's sanity here. Uh, the first one from Frank. Frank writes in saying, guys, decent crypto podcast. Can you please help me out? My buddy will not stop, stop buying NBA top shots. <laughs> he got into NBA top shot relatively early uh, in early 2021 and made a decent chunk of money early on. He rode the wave up and has since given up all of those gains over the past year. Uh, despite this, despite this full round trip, he will not, he will simply not stop buying. He keeps talking, he keeps talking about how he's going to go in on certain rares. He loves some of the new packs that they're releasing. He, he cannot uh, get over his rookie LaMelo ball. And he, uh, <laughs> it, it's very clear to us that he will not stop buying NBA top shots. He also has this whole thesis about how NFT Fi is going to allow him to collateralize his top shots and create the next bull run in NFTs. This is starting to become an issue in our friend group as every time we go out and watch games in a social setting, he discusses how he wants to collect moments rather than just enjoy the moment with us. Can you please help us? How do we redeem our friend? Frank, this is a tough one. Uh, Matt, you want to take a stab at this? Seems like this guy's far gone. Look, you know, um, for, first off, none of this is financial advice. Yeah, we want to start by saying this is not financial advice. Your friend's got to sell his top shots. Yeah. <laughs> Get this guy to sell, man. <laughs> Get him to take a, a, any profit. I mean, um, look, I, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit new to this game, right? Because I never bought a top shot. Uh, but I am no stranger to having friends chase the dragon. I've had mm. friends that just can't stop buying ENS domains. Mm. <laughs> they're mm. buying ENS domains not only related to their name or to like dictionary words, they're buying ENS domains for all of their friends' names, mm. uh, which to me seems like a little bit of a, a, a creepy move. Matt, uh, at me next time, bro. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like... It, we we all know the rush, the rush of opening up a pack of rookie cards. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I would say not financial advice here, but get your friend to like create a multi-sig uh, so that you can uh, approve all of all of their trades. Wow. Does that even exist on the flow blockchain? <laughs> These are top shots here. I don't know if you can do that on flow. I think there's only one signature and it is owned by Dapper Labs. Uh, yeah, look, man, here's what I'm going to say as somebody who's had his fair share of addictions in the past, uh, this is not going to be a one, one stop thing, you know, like you're going to have to ease your friend out of this situation. So Frank, <clears throat> let me, let me start out by saying you need to empathize with this man here and really understand that he is too far gone, right? Like if he's talking about these things at, uh, social events, uh, you need to understand that there's only one thing on his mind at all times, and that's NBA Top Shot. 
Uh, so we need to we need to pull back the curtain a little bit, really understand where his mindset is at. Uh, I'm sure this guy's not dating. I'm sure he doesn't have too much else going on. So, you know, start getting him to taper back the addiction just a little bit, you know. So so maybe every rookie pack, he doesn't go in, you know, or instead of buying two for every single drop, he just buys one. So I would say this is not going to be a cold turkey situation. We need to taper him back and we need to pull him slowly back to reality and stop looking at these things as as investments or, you know, collateralizing your top shots for the next bull run or anything like that. I think, uh, it, you know, <laughs> this man seems a little bit untethered to me. Uh, so let's just work on that first and then we can look at getting him to make some sound financial decisions, sound social decisions. Maybe you can introduce him to different kinds of people down the line, but I don't think he's ready for any of that right now. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about harm reduction here. And I, I feel mm. like, I feel like that's what you're advocating for. Uh, mm. And uh, you know, I wonder if we should borrow a tip from, you know, from harm reduction experts here, which is to like, maybe try to like uh maybe try to swap some of the behavior for slightly safer behavior right so okay. maybe instead of like nba top shots uh your friend could st- frank your, you could maybe like start suggesting to your friend like some free mints right oh uh, i was gonna say maybe he can start doing like straight sports gambling that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> at least there you can sometimes make money I mean, it sounds like that's what this has devolved into is this is sports gambling, but like way less like based in like fundamentals of sports, right? Like, and you know, let's, like get, let's, is- let's get serious for just one second here. Uh, I think it's important for people to realize and for this man, Frank and his friend to realize that these are not, you know, you're not even gambling here. Like the idea behind Top Shot was as collectibles, right? Like people buy collectibles because they like collectibles and they just want to have them. They don't buy collectibles thinking, oh, I might double my money tomorrow. Some people do that, but they're sophisticated traders, right? Those are not people who are going to uh, like just casually be buying like, uh, you know, rookie packs and being like, yo, I'm about to five x my money on these right (laughs) um trading cards collectibles these are things that mostly you know like kids younger people or hobbyists buy right not speculators some you know in very certain cases speculators yes but generally no um and (laughs) certainly not uh investors right so if you're looking at this like oh i'm an investor i'm investing in top shots uh, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, find a hobby or something, bro. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Let's move Matt, on to the next let's piece move on of to our next non-financial one. advice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This one is uh, tough because it really hits home for me. And, uh, you know, this is something that I've had to grapple with myself. Okay. So our friend, Praful, Praful writes in... Uh, and I've obscured his name, of course. He writes in saying, help me, please. I am all in on the locked jewel trade. Uh, yes, yeah, so that doesn't sound great, bro. Um, I am all in on the locked jewel trade. <laughs> I listen to too many. <laughs> I listen to too many crypto, specifically AVAX influencers, whom shall not be named, and went all in on jewel in November and December. Things were going great. Eventually, I saw that there was a market for locked jewel. 
this was an OTC market that was open to the public. Uh, I thought this was pretty rare and I jumped at the opportunity. I 5X'd my total amount of jewel in just one trade, which I thought would pay out very nicely. Unfortunately, my jewel is locked from 2023 until the middle of 2024 when it fully unlocks in July of 2024. I have 12 more months to vest and the unlocking has just begun. In the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, Jewel has gone from a high of $22 to a current price below 10 cents. What do I do? I have no way of getting out and most of my life savings are in this trade. Please help decent crypto podcast. I just want to start out by saying that none of this is financial advice, uh, especially to our brother Praful here. Sounds like this <laughs> is not a good spot to be in, especially if you put all your life savings in here. Uh, I'm not going to give you any financial advice, my friend. Um, but it sounds like you need to get a job uh, because that money is never coming back. Um, you know, it, the number one lesson in crypto that I've learned is never lock your money up. Uh, <laughs> even the sharpest VCs and the brightest minds in all of crypto have learned that lesson. You don't want to lock your money up. If there's a way for you to have that liquidity at any point, you take it. Um, I'm glad you tried to like hide the, or like create pseudonymity by going with the name Profool, but like, we all know who's writing this. It's Ansem. <laughs> it's Ansem. <Listen>, Ansem. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> This is not financial advice, but you really only have one option right now. You got to lock that jewel back up, okay? <laughs> the second it gets released, you got to lock it, right? You're you're mm. all in here. This thing went from mm. $20 a token to less than 10 cents. Are you really going to paper hands now? <laughs> mm. So um, you're saying you, buy more locked jewel OTC with the yes, unlocked uh, jewel? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Look, that, wow. That's what this we is Look, incredible. Tough times make strong traders, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look, just to be clear, this is not financial advice. This is not financial but, advice. None of this is financial uh, advice. But you should probably mortgage your house. Exactly. You should sell everything and go in again because if it's down 99%, it can only go down 1% more. Everybody knows this. Uh it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like the easiest trade of all time. It's unlimited upside and only 1% downside. Uh, uh, no, I all mean, joking aside, like, look, like this is, I would say, the position that 99% of people find themselves in right now. Uh, maybe not the locked part, but the idea that you are truly down like 90 to 99%. And it's like, what do I do now? Do I take profit or do I just ride this out? Because I don't really have a way out now. Right. Like, yeah. What would you do? Do, you cut, do you cut your losses or do you hodl? I don't know. What would you do? Uh, well, specifically in the jewel case, right? And this is not financial yeah, advice. Jewel is but, actually uh, down 99%. Yeah, of course. This is not financial advice. <laughs> uh, I mean, what percent of jewel do you think is like overall staked? It's got to be a huge amount that's like just starting to unlock now. And it's like a linear one year oh, yeah. unlock, right? I think um, like less than 50% is on the market. Like most of it's still going to be unlocked over the next year. 
I mean, we literally saw this play out with with Terra, right? Uh, like, you know, supply just doubles and what happens to the price? And this is after yeah. the price had already tanked. Like, this it has very strong parallels to the Luna token. Right, Who's right. not selling see, I, their Lockjaw? See, but I, I don't think it has parallels to Luna because it's there's no, like, debt spiral here, right? Like, there is, of course, there's, like supply unlocking but that's the case with every single token right like every single one of these like early stage vc tokens like serum right like serum everything on solana is like down forever because it's unlocking slowly and like all these like early vcs that got in are like selling over time right so i don't think it's like a luna parallel at all because luna is like literally there's a specific reason that yeah they're, absolute they're, they're, zero yeah, um, the maximum supply is infinity for Luna. Whereas, yeah, like, I mean, I think the the parallel yeah. is like one of these like Solana ecosystem coins, um, which a lot of Except people have that, also like, gone in. Well, so in the Solana ecosystem coins, right, like they started going down because people were selling them as they unlocked. With this, it's a little bit different, right? Like this thing sold off from $20 to ten, less than 10 cents. Before mm-hmm. any of the unlocking happened, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that happened because there was a specific like OTC market to allow for that to happen, right? Like, if there was an OTC market for people to sell their locked Solana, like I think there's a good chance that that could have happened to all those things beforehand too, right? Like, there for Jewel specifically, there is like people created a secondary market to be able to like dump all of your locked Jewel. Um, and that created a lot of the downward pressure from the $20 price. So you're saying like uh, you could buy it for a discount. You could buy five times the jewel, yeah, but it's exactly. locked at, at a mm-hmm. huge discount. Um, yeah. And Or you could go buy it in the open market and just nobody chose to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there were like super interesting dynamics with jewel itself because like, they had zero VCs. Like we're getting super into this is a jewel podcast, of course. That's why people tune in. But <laughs> we're getting super into like the jewel tokenomics now. But uh like it was super interesting because they had insane, insane liquidity incentives early on and like zero like VC funding or anything like that. So all of their kind of even their like treasury was kept in jewel, like and it came from like uh fees that they made like on the decks which they had like in the DeFi Kingdoms game. Um and so it was like all tied to the jewel token. And so they gave away a ton of the token for free with these liquidity incentives early on. And so whoever was, you know, liquidity mining jewel early on made a ton of this jewel and then it ran up the price because a lot of these like crypto influencers were shilling it. And then it, uh, you know, it unlocked this market for locked jewel or like it created like somebody created this secondary market for locked jewel. And a lot of these whales were just sitting on tons and tons of this early on because like the APRs early on were like massive and the way the token structure worked is that you get your um like your earnings from LPing in like partially locked jewel and partially in unlocked jewel and the earlier hmm. you did it more of it were came out in locked jewel um and so that's why there is these like crazy whales with tons and tons of locked jewel that would dump it on the on the market and uh cause the price to come down and uh yeah this is crazy crazy dynamic but i guess the point still stands you know it's like if you are down this bad and like even if you are liquid right now like i don't know what do you do at this point like do you sell do you hold um like obviously if you have stables like maybe you can buy but uh i think it's a tough question (laughs) well the bigger issue with joel was that like later there was that 
there was that like exploit kind of thing that they found where it was like you you could just kind of print Joel, right? Uh, yeah, well, uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I don't well, know. If you want to talk about situation. it. Yeah, I mean, like, we have to, like, go super into it if we want to, like, go into it. But, like, all right, all right. So, uh, so what are you saying? You're saying sell? I mean, my question is literally just if you're down bad, if you're down 95%, what do you do right now? Not financial advice. Uh, every day, you should be allocating your portfolio in the best way that you possibly can. If your portfolio is down 95% in Jewel and it's unlocking and you don't want to hold that anymore, like you should probably just buy a little bit of ETH or Bitcoin or whatever you whatever you feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah. depends on the asset is the answer, right? Like a lot of the stuff that went down 90, 95%, like, you know, blue chip DeFi, like I would hold that, right? Or, you know what I mean? Like every minute of your life is a chance to rebalance. And if you don't rebalance Mm. your portfolio, the market will do it for you, right? Mm. Um, This is the juice that I was looking for. Yeah. No, well, this is not financial advice, but. (laughs) This is not financial advice. This is just juice. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Look, you need to be thinking of yourself at every moment as a rational actor with no, like, you know, no sunk costs here. Right. Like Uh it doesn't matter what you're down 95% on that has no bearing on what you want to hold right now. Uh, Other than like maybe transaction costs. Right. Uh, Right. Right. That's my take. Mm. So forget your all time high. Forget how much that jewel was once worth. Just think about what assets you want to own now. And if it's not jewel now, buy something else. That's great advice. Exactly. Great advice. Um, All right. Well, let's cap it there. Um, I think we're going to have more people. We had a couple more people write in, but we wanted to save that. Uh, if you think of something, if you'd like to get your question answered on this podcast, write into us, tweet at us, uh, whatever. All of our links are below. You can find us. Uh, we're going to be doing this uh, once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Uh, so we'll be back. This was not financial advice from the Decent Crypto Podcast. All right, Matt, let's continue with the rest of our podcast. we got a few things to hit for the recap. Uh, let's see. What do we want to hit? What happened this week? Core Scientific selling part of their Bitcoin holdings. Uh, why? What happened here? Why is this significant? I mean, uh, so just to give like a broader picture, right? Um, over the last, like, like since the last uh, market peak, like the, the last market cycle basically has been one where a lot of miners took on a lot of leverage to buy mining equipment, to buy, to, you know, sign agreements with utility companies to provide power at a certain cost. Like there's quite a bit more leverage in the Bitcoin mining space now than there was in 2018. You know, in fact, a um, lot of miners and, you know, Michael Saylor is not a miner, but Michael Saylor was talking about how uh, and, and like the CEO of Marathon talks about this. And like they talk about how they are, in fact, using these new services like BlockFi to not have to sell their Bitcoin that they're mining and they can hmm. pay their capital costs by taking out loans against their Bitcoin. And they expect that Bitcoin will just keep going up and up and up. And like Sailor says, you know, it's not going to have this 80% drawdown, which it did. But um, they were basically openly and proudly like levering up. 
I mean, it makes sense, right? Uh, from the individual perspective, right? It's this asymmetric upside, right? Like if you're running a mining company, like you can either lock in, like, you know, you can hedge out your exposure to like your future expected Bitcoin production uh, and just like, you know, uh, create that like stable cash flow, right? So maybe you think you can earn your investors like 6% on, you know, US dollars by using it, like by levering it to buy mining equipment and you know the miners produce a certain number of bitcoin every year and then like those bitcoins you have them like hedged out right like you can you can make this a pretty like stable business model Mm -hmm. um but there's way asymmetric upside if you just don't hedge it right um like what do you care it's not like you're personally guaranteeing the the mining equipment and all that right right um And in an asset class this volatile, like leverage is just like really fucking dangerous. Um, so Core Scientific uh, on <laughs> As Tuesday. As we're seeing across the board. <laughs> in fact, yeah, we should have told that last listener to lever up by more jewel. Um, <laughs> straight up. Wait, uh, isn't that what you told him? <laughs> can they borrow? Can they borrow against their lock jewel to buy more jewel? <laughs> um, uh, hope of humanity. I hope not. <laughs> Listen, someday Ansem is going to own the entirety of the jewel supply. <laughs> yeah, he probably um, does. I've been feeding this guy for all of the all of last year. Um. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Core Scientific is like crypto mining company, right? Um, and on Tuesday, they announced that they had sold 167 million worth of Bitcoin in June, right? An average price of twenty three thousand. So that's like. Um, 80% of their total Bitcoin on their balance sheet. That hurts, right? You, you know, they had to sell 80% of their Bitcoin at 23K. Um, and I guess they must have done That's it early it. in June, right? Back when like 23K was like a reasonable number, right? Because uh, it was like June 12th when like everything really hit the fan with like Celsius and Three Arrows and all that, right? That's right. Um, so what you got to wonder is like how many other people out there are going to be forced to sell Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin in particular is a space where like people, I guess just by nature of being the largest, the oldest, the, you know, the most discussed in like normie circles. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it tends to provide a lot more opportunities to generate leverage or to like take leverage, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you told someone that you wanted to take out loans to run a Solana validator, it would be mm-hmm. a lot harder to attract like, you know, millions of dollars worth of capital than it is to do it for like just generally Bitcoin mining, right? Right. Um, so you got to think that like, there's got to be more players that are in a similar situation, right? Like, uh, especially if you're in the mining space, like even if you're in the mining space and you hedge out most of your Bitcoin production, um, at that point, you just feel safer taking on way more leverage, right? Uh, and so either way, like you wind up, you know, creating this exposure for yourself. You, you got to wonder who's left that still is going to be forced to sell. Like it's hard, yeah. really hard to refinance today, right? You might look at it and be like, you know what? Let's just take the Bitcoin off the balance sheet rather than like, you know, refinancing or doing like a, doing like a really expensive debt instrument or like mm-hmm. selling off equity is like a secondary offering um you, you know diluting the initial investors like maybe maybe for selling at 23k actually is the the best of all the terrible moves that they could make um but it's still it's a really shitty position to be in if you're these guys yeah right? yeah you know generally this is 
something that you know you don't want to see happen like even in the bear markets is that you have these kinds of big force sellers uh from the mining space um especially because it's like okay it's fine if they're selling the bitcoin that they are mining it's it's a way worse sign if they're selling the bitcoin on their balance sheet right like that Mm -hmm. means that it's a complete force sell and like or either it, like it means two things they're losing conviction in bitcoin as an asset on their balance sheet which is quite bad mm. or they're force sellers which is also quite bad um mm. i would say them losing conviction is probably worse as an asset on their balance sheet because that's like a big narrative for a lot of corporations and even countries um Speaking of countries, actually, so I saw this thing. There's an article in Bloomberg saying that there is a the title of the article is historic cascade of defaults is coming for emerging markets. Craziest thing is in this article, the number one country most likely to default. Can you take a guess? I'll tell you, El Salvador. (laughs) Yeah, of course, it's El Salvador. Well, they never even issued their volcano bonds, though, like. What are they defaulting on? <laughs> I think just you their, uh, I mean, their, uh, okay, so this is based on current pricing taking into credit default swaps. I don't know shit on shit about uh, government bonds. I'm just looking <laughs> no. at this uh, Bloomberg article. I thought it was interesting to bring up because what if El Salvador becomes a fourth seller, right? We're talking about fourth sellers here. What if El Salvador becomes a forced seller? Like, can you, I don't know, man. Like, I've had a really bad feeling about this the whole time. Like, I've not, you know, like this guy buying from his phone, tweeting about it. Like, it's just not a good look and it's not a good way to run a country, if you ask me. But like, (laughs) I don't know. I just never really had the best feeling about this. Uh, And then now, you know, what the, countries underwater as a whole on their bitcoin uh investment or whatever by like 50 percent uh i know it's not a massive portion of their balance sheet and they keep buying more but uh i don't know do you think the heads of state bukele and whoever else is running the country i think it seems like it's more or less like a one-man show do you think mm-hmm. they capitulate at some point at least partially I can't imagine uh, what would even cause them to have to, right? Um, Like, if you're a Bitcoin mining company, like, you have creditors, you need to pay them back, or they're going to come and, like, you foreclose on your mining equipment. If you're, like, the head of state in, like, sort of a one-man show country, uh, and, you know, like, who's going to come after you, right? Like, you just default. Who cares, right? Like your bonds people are already trading guns. at a huge discount, right? Um, yeah, I mean, but like people with guns are going to come to, what are they going to collect, right? Like your resources, like people with guns have been coming to collect resources for, you know, centuries. Um, yeah, that's true. I just don't see, I don't see how it could possibly play out in the sense, like maybe they run out of cash with which to buy more Bitcoin, right? Um and they, you know, there's probably some sort. There could be some kind of hyperinflation thing. Like the, this is the reason you want to be like the, um, the reserve currency, is so that you can print more without causing hyperinflation. And right. you know, and you, and the printing more is important because that way, like, you know, you can pay your bonds back without defaulting. Uh, and so if they wind up paying more to, you know, not default or printing more to not default, then like, you know, like the bonds have 
historically traded at a massive, massive discount to par because mm-hmm. people are expecting like El Salvador sovereign debt to be like super risky, right? This is not like this news. is way before um, the Bitcoin thing, right? Yeah, uh, it's just like I mean, you know, like it's a small I mean, it's country, a, it's a developing dictator. Nation, yeah. yeah. Um, so hipster dictator, uh, though, bro, don't don't forget. Oh, sorry, hipster hipster dictator. <laughs> that sounds like um, a bar in Bushwick. Um, uh, can I can I interject with yeah, another? <laughs> I'll meet oh, you at hipster dictator midnight. Um, <laughs> uh, midnight. Uh, what are you gonna do at a bar in Bushwick at midnight, dude? Do some yoga, dude. That's when it opens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when the uh, yoga party opens. The actual party starts um, at six. Um, okay look so, here's my uh here's my uh can i interject with one more story i saw from bloomberg please we should just do like a bloomberg absurdity hour um uh did you see this one uh it was like bloomberg news uh rolexes are crypt are the crypto crashes oh, for so first victims did you yeah. see this one there's so many problems in this thing. okay yeah. like the fir- first first like the title <laughs> of like i don't think rolexes are the crypto crashes first victims Yes, I, I think you, I, I think, think the, the crypto lunatics. crash may have produced plenty of other victims. <laughs> oh man! Yes. Um, yes. Second, second, when you go through and you look at the data, um, like every role, every model of luxury watch that they have that they like compiled data for is like mm-hmm. way above where it was in 2019. <laughs> like yeah. some of these things are a hundred percent up from 2019. They're like. 25 percent down from last year uh, what like <laughs> you know uh i just thought that was just wild that they're trying to paint this as like the price of rolexes are collapsing when they're down like 25 percent from a year or ago and trad up, media, like 100 from three years ago yeah Oof. do better trad media that's all we can say <laughs> um, um okay. all right that Moving was uh, that was scientific. mine i think we covered it yeah yeah um okay ave Ave launching a stablecoin called Go, G-H-O, <laughs> the Ghost stablecoin. Uh, no, that's not what it's called, but it is uh, it is called G-H-O. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to function. It's okay. So functionally, it's going to be very similar to DAI, right? Um, it's not going to be yeah. like one of these uncollateralized things. It's going to be like a collateralized stablecoin. Um, is there – you want to give a quick rundown? Uh, I, I didn't look super deeply into the details to be honest, uh, because yeah. it's effectively the it's effectively the like same model as Maker. Um, yeah, it really and is the exact same. Yeah, I just like I feel like one of I I feel like the purity of Maker as a protocol makes it feel safer to use relative to something like Ave, where. Okay. If they're like, if the Ave, like, if for some reason, like, the Ave DAO loses its entire treasury or something, is there going to be like mm-hmm. a run on the bank on Ghost Token? I, I don't know. Well, okay, you know, so the way this like, works is, yeah, I guess. I mean, because the way it works, it's it's very similar, right? Like, you can take, you can mint new Go, GHO, with any mm-hmm. uh, supplied assets that you have on Ave, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd I assume I, it's not, like, necessarily everything. Yeah, it's, it's but... definitely not everything. Um, I think it's going to be different based on the uh, assets that you're supplying, uh, like how much you can borrow. Mm. Um, 
it will be over collateralized. Like they don't have all this stuff laid out in the proposal. Um, the proposal is also still needs to be voted on. Uh, like it is just a proposal. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, okay. So functionally, like why does this make you more skeptical than using maker? Uh, it's just like, there's more, uh, there's more complexity, right? Uh, there's more mm. ways that it can go wrong, you know? Some, if like the in, price in of way? one asset, if the price of one asset, like from the Oracle were to get like hacked or something, you, you know what I mean? Like you could mint a gazillion ghosts if like the price of whatever under like maker by nature of only taking like two or three, two types of collateral, right? Just Ethan mm-hmm. USCC, I think. Um, like they really like cut down on the risk vectors. Uh, and so I think, um, yeah, I think overall, like, I just feel safer using die. Um, I do wonder also, like the thing about the thing about die, right. Is like, it's never been able to really like reach a large total market cap because people's desire for, uh, you know, an algorithmic stable coin based on like leverage is just mm-hmm. genuinely not that high. Right. Like yeah, it's not fair. even, it's not even necessarily leverage based if they're taking USCC. It's just like, why would I ever want die? Why would I ever want to deposit USCC and, and mint die? You know, um, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, right. And so like there's already limited demand for die as a product. And so like, I don't, I guess I don't quite understand like why, there would be any marginal demand for ghosts or for GHL. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, maybe it's the fact that it is going to allow people to mint Go using other kinds of assets, right? Like that's what led to this uh, crazy run up in uh, Abracadabra, right? You remember that protocol? Um, mm-hmm. So they had their stablecoin meme that you could mint using a whole host of assets on a bunch of different kinds of chains. And I think the model that Ave Go is going to go after is kind of more that model, right? Like it's still over collateralized, but you can use a host of different assets. Um, they also have this thing in their proposal that says that holders of staked Ave can mint Go at a discounted rate. So hmm. um, that's an interesting yeah, piece like of tokenomics a, right there, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's like a little um, thing to incentivize people to uh, hold and like secure the Aave protocol. Um, I mean, that actually feels like the crux, right? Because before you could always just go to Aave and like lend them whatever, deposit whatever collateral they're willing to take and borrow USDC against it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is basically just that, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, what do I care if I'm minting a stable coin or borrowing a stable coin? It's sort mm-hmm. of like for the end user, like it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be more gas efficient to mint something, right? Uh, but maybe not. Uh, so um, the piece about staked Ave holders being able to mint Go at a discount, though, that actually feels like the crux of, of why they're proposing this. Yeah, I mean, it, it could definitely drive a lot of demand for the token, right? Uh, for the Ave yeah. token. Um, I think... Okay, am I getting this wrong, or is Ave at some point planning to launch their own chain? Or uh, I know they're like super cross chain right now. They're on ETH mainnet. They're on Avalanche. Uh, what Optimism, Arbitrum, yeah. Polygon. 
they're like real believers in the like cross-chain future right like so they're yeah. working on like you know cross-chain lending where you right. use something like layer zero to like do the cross-chain communication right. um and also like one really interesting thing was like when they released v3 uh initially they did it on all these other blockchains except for ethereum mainnet which i thought was like a pretty interesting uh, technical approach right um and you think anyway, they do that for um, ease of use or, or like ease of uh, development or because it's uh, easier or maybe like risk, uh, you know, if, if something's wrong with the protocol, uh, maybe like it was like a risk less thing. Capital on there. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. less TVL. Hard to mm-hmm. say. Hmm. Um, maybe gas thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Ave, man. Well, one thing you can say, they're always doing stuff. It's good. Good to see. Yeah. Including the Rave. Yeah, it's interesting. As much as I hate that. <laughs> at least they're planning some parties. Good for you. Rave's, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> at least it's my kind of music. Let me know how it is, <laughs> Matt. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Um, let's see. One thing I thought was kind of interesting this week, Reddit making a public announcement that they're getting into not NFTs. They call them blockchain-based collectible avatars. In fact, in their blog post, not one time do they announce the fact that these things are called NFTs, but they <laughs> will be minted on Polygon. Uh, so the way this works is they created a new avatar builder. You can go on there. Uh, you know how the little Reddit logo is the little bot machine, whatever thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you can just kind of build whatever avatar you want and customize it and do a bunch of cool stuff. And then you can mint it on Polygon if you want to. Um, but it's not an NFT. It's a blockchain based collectible avatar. And then you can set that avatar as your Reddit profile picture if you want to, or you can (laughs) save if you want to. Uh, I don't know of anybody who will ever care about this. Um, but I also don't really use Reddit like that. Uh, I kind of thought the whole point of Reddit was to like be an anon. Um, but like, I guess people accumulate these like karma points to an anonymous like profile. I don't know. Do you have any insight into this? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think that robot looking dude is kind of cute. Uh, I might oh, make one. Great. <laughs> yeah, I might, I'll definitely, I don't know if I'm I'll definitely right click save it. I mean, even I on Polygon, it just feels like a waste. <laughs> exactly. I played around with the thing and even then, like I made one in like four seconds and I did not think for one second that i wanted to mint that on polygon it's like why (laughs) would i do this like i don't want to be associated with this actually like this is something that took me five seconds Um, i mean i think we might i think we might be missing the forest for the trees here right because uh alexis ohanian right uh like founder reddit um Mm -hmm. hugely into web3 uh right like very thoughtful guy like i you know you can hear him speak on like a few podcasts and stuff like husband of serena williams can't be understated (laughs) um and uh you know i just think that like we're missing the broader picture here like that what am i missing something bigger must be on its way they wouldn't just make blockchain based collectible avatars i love that i'm gonna i'm actually gonna start uh, only referring to nfts that way from now on <laughs> yeah we're a blockchain based um, collectible avatar podcast <laughs> um yeah i don't know i think uh uh the more notable uh, thing for this mm-hmm. or for this topic uh for me is the fact that polygon is just everywhere you know, like, dude, yeah, their business development, they're absolutely killing it. Yeah. Yeah. The VD team is absolutely killing it. Props to them. 
Um, they're throwing money around everywhere. Uh, I don't know if any of this stuff is really like organically driven or they're just forcing these partnerships. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, every big brand company is deciding to go with Polygon, especially on this more on the Web3 kind of side. Um, you know, where on the DeFi side, maybe a lot of folks are leaning towards Solana, things like that. Uh, it seems like Polygon's really making waves in like NFTs and gaming and Web3 and blockchain based yeah. avatars. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, it's, it's a good point, right? Like, um, basically, if you want to enable like higher, like higher throughput, uh operations uh like that you need for like high frequency DeFi and high frequency like social apps right in web3 like these are your two best options here right mm -hmm. polygon's advantage is that they have like um is that they have i guess like this evm compatibility right uh solana's big advantage is that they have partnerships with all of like the financial institutions so they're like tvl mm -hmm. is like relatively sticky um mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I could see a world where like these become like the blockchains that you interact with mostly on the like day to day and then you use Bitcoin and ETH for like high value stuff. Um, my question is like, where does Avalanche come into all this? It seems like Avalanche is getting cornered out of the market, right? Like, have you seen too much happening on Avalanche recently? I have not seen I much. No, yeah. Seen another, um, have you, like, is there another sublet, subnet that's launched after DFK chain? I don't know if I've I seen thought one. Pravada was going to launch, but the Ponzinomics there were just so clearly toxic that like nobody cares, and especially given like how hard how hard DeFi Kingdoms related tokens crashed after they launched that subnet, like nobody cares. Right. Like it cannot be stated enough how much nobody cares about subnets. Uh, yeah. Like we we did a big uh, deep dive on that one, and I would say that like I've never gotten a question related to it. <laughs> um, yeah, related I mean. To that episode. Yeah, people ask like, hey, man, can you point me somewhere to like learn more about Avalanche? I'm like, oh, here you go. Here's the deep dive. And people respond. They're like, oh, whoa, I didn't know you had a podcast. This is pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, OK, this is enough. Like, I don't need anything else about Avalanche. Like, that's enough. Like, <laughs> And then they text usually... us like the next week. They're like, oh, FOMO of the week, dude. This is a great segment. <laughs> no, never mention Avalanche again. Right? Nobody ever like, mentions uh... Avalanche again. Um, I mean, I think I would love to get like visibility into their their like cash burn, right? Like, mm -hmm. what are they spending money on? Because it's clearly a lot of just like normie advertising, by which I mean ads on the subway, ads on trains, airports. You know, uh, yeah, I still can't believe like, that's their strategy. Uh, it just doesn't feel like they're really doing a great job with with their like marketing budget honestly um yeah. whereas like polygon is at least like on paper and like look this happened a lot last cycle right like someone would form a partnership with the ethereum foundation to like explore mm -hmm. blockchains right uh and so like you know you can like of the like 10 of every 10 partnerships that like one of these like blockchain developer companies like forms maybe half of one pans out right so maybe like it's a five percent hit rate uh right, yeah. but you know but like at least polygon has more than 20 right like avalanche i i really think it's just like one consulting company and like grimes right like uh <laughs> it, it's uh it just feels like they've really dropped the ball on that one um yeah it'll be avalanche, interesting to see how correct. it pans out
wrecked. <laughs> Speaking of wrecked, let's just uh, close the loop on a few of these big players. Three Arrows Capital, again, on the podcast. This is a 3AC podcast. Uh, they're getting sued by Defiance Capital. Uh, this is like the DeFi fund that they launched with this guy, Arthur Zero X, a couple years back. Their big play was getting into synthetics early on. Um, and then they launched a fund. They also launched Starry Night Fund, uh, separate of Defiance, but Starry Night Fund. Uh, it's, I think, like, rumored to be like $100 million at one point. It's sold everything. Um, so, yeah, Three Arrows, it looks like they're just closing up. Uh, like, all the legal proceedings are about to start now. Um, this is going to carry on for a while. Did you hear Not that in their bankruptcy there. filing, um, Suzu was listed as a creditor? You're joking. No, oh, no I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I guess mean, that's part of the incentive to like to like right declare right. bankruptcy rather than just like letting 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 uh, the wolves eat each other. I don't know, you know, like mm. from a creditor perspective, it's like, well, if we declare bankruptcy, maybe we can have a bit of an orderly liquidation process and like everybody can get a little something back. Uh, Interesting. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> why, yeah, why is he a creditor? <laughs> right. Huh. Um, wow. I mean, sim- similarly, uh, legal, speaking of legal action, uh, should we touch on the 0xB1 wallet and Celsius? Yes. This person is claiming you- that they were involved in managing the funds for that wallet, right? Back in the day. Yeah, so there's a company called Keyfi, right? Um, yeah. And I guess they were handling things like custody and security. Uh, and yeah. they got uh, acquired by Celsius, I want to say. And um, and basically uh, r- got rugged, right? Like uh, <laughs> they're making all these allegations about like uh, about like Celsius, like placed all put all of these DeFi trades on and like you know we asked about impermanent loss and they assured us that they had hedged it out and then later when there was impermanent loss on the account the celsius people looked at us like we were the ones that had lost the money and we said wait no but you guys like here's you know i have the email right you told us you had you had hedged it out uh, and they're like oh we're gonna have to take a look at that again but it's not looking good for you right now man i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. you guys uh pretty sure you guys fucked up here and they're like what are you talking about you were supposed to hedge it <laughs> um oh, so, so they basically yeah, got wrecked it's so comical that you have to laugh but like we're talking about how much money hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars um uh yeah like like massive massive numbers and then there's like all of these other details that are really interesting which is like the zero xb1 wallet was just like slinging around cash like buying nfts and sending them to like people's personal <laughs> wallets like uh like trying to pump celsius token i want to say <laughs> it's just like all like a lot of like pretty like if these like allegations are anywhere close to true this is like the craziest fucking scandal um, yeah also we need to point out that the zero xb1 like a Twitter guy. Uh, we don't really know mm-hmm. how true all of this is, right? Um, whether he was working there, whether, you know, this stuff is all confirmed, right? There's also some tweets of him, like, saying, like, in December, like, he's going all in on some tokens that ended up, like, fully crashing. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Wait, this... we all have those tweets though, right? Everyone <laughs> know, in this case has true. some tweets from December. Like, um, I'm going all in on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, yeah. We, we don't know how much is true, um, but if any of it's true, it'll be absolutely wild. Um, for sure. Um, let's see. In that same vein, uh, Voyager <laughs> filing for bankruptcy. Um, I thought the funniest part of this was that there are still Voyager uh, ads running at like soccer stadiums. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. Not a great look for the industry overall, man. How long do you think it takes for people in the normal world to start taking crypto seriously again? Even like I think we may have reached like some modicum of seriousness early last year when Tesla was like, okay, we might put or we are going to put uh, Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Um, maybe just a little bit there, and then like you know Paul Tudor Jones getting in that was huge. Like you know I think we 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 reached a little bit of seriousness then, and then that fully fell off. But like how long do you take? How long do you think it takes for us to get back there? I mean, I actually think we crossed the Rubicon, right? Like, I think that uh, there's a difference between normal people and normal media, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, you know, everywhere you look is a Yahoo Finance article that says crypto is dead, right? Uh, like, this crypto is dead meme is fully back in, in style, right? Um, but in reality, like... I'm shook at how many people I speak to that like you really wouldn't expect to be like into crypto. Like all of my mom's friends like are not people you would expect to be into crypto. And each of them is like, no, it'll come back. Right. Wow. Uh, which is just kind of wild. Right. Um, anybody in the finance space thinks it's coming back. Like just they either still think it's a scam uh, or they know it's coming back. Like I, hmm. I do think we crossed the Rubicon on this one. I think the I think that people like talking about it a lot less when the prices are going down right um mm -hmm. but and like everyone and their mother is like a crypto expert when like the market's running at, at full throttle um but i yeah i don't know i i think it's i think it's still like i think it's as serious as it was a year ago interesting i don't that's think it's like a joke hear. or anything you know no, that's like, very good to uh, hear. what do you think I... I mean each of us lives in a bubble right like yeah. No, I mean, I think that there is maybe I'm too deep in the bubble, right? Like, I think that there is some level of like self-hatred almost within the space, right? Where it's mm. like, God, I can't believe this is like what it's come to, right? Whether you look Just at what's like happening. Full, yeah. Yeah. You look at like the big players in the space. You look at like how some of the DAOs are functioning. You look at some of the big NFT projects. Like there's just like utter like foolishness really across the board right so i think in that sense it's like man like who the fuck is running this whole thing um <laughs> so yeah and the answer is nobody right and like this is what you get when nobody runs the whole thing which is which is fine right like which is fine like this is what we all signed up for but i think that for um a lot of people if you are following and you, you know like maybe you're right in the sense that like if you look at this from the outside like you don't really follow all of the little like oh these guys were in a telegram chat and the ceo of celsius was saying like oh we hedged it out but we didn't actually hedge it out like if you're a normal person you don't care you don't follow that at all 
all you know is like the prices are down. Some companies are going out of business, but like, oh, like these ideas are sound and they'll be back. Right. And like it's on us, the people within the industry to like pick up the pieces and like figure out where to go from here. But normal people, all they care about is like, eh, it'll be back at some point. Yeah, I mean, or they're like, hey, I heard uh, like, uh, you know, I read some article about like millions of people committing suicide over the like Luna fiasco, right? Mm. Um, and just like full like FUD mode, right? right. Uh, and, you know... Well, to a degree, people are going to seek that kind of information out, right? Uh, like, if you are, like, bullish on crypto, you're not reading an article about some dentist that, like, unfortunately put all of their money into Anchor, right? Uh, and, like, went bankrupt and, like, now has to, like, pick up the pieces and, like, mm -hmm. be a dentist still. Um, like, yeah, that's very true. Uh, you know, like, if you're, if you, like, if you're informed about crypto and you're not just, like, naturally super skeptical, you're reading that article and you're like, man, that sucks. But, hmm. you know, but like it doesn't invalidate the entire thing. Right. Yeah, that's very true. All right. Bullish. Time to buy. Bullish. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else you want to hit? Not financial advice. <laughs> Not financial advice. Remember, never financial advice. Uh, you got anything um, I mean, else pseudo, pseudo swap. Just touch on it briefly oh, yeah, uh, yeah. because we'll probably never talk about it again. But true, uh, true. they launched uh, this. They launched this week. So this is, you know, it's the only time we're going to talk about it. Um, pseudo swap yeah, is like a Uniswap style. Uniswap style AMM, uh, and basically the idea is uh, they want to put all of the exist? like <laughs> currently all the currently all the NFT markets uh, like store a ton of information off chain. So like when you submit an order to buy or sell an NFT, um, it, until that order gets like matched, it's actually mm -hmm. just sitting on like OpenSea's um, right, it's on, on, on OpenSea's like database yeah it's not on chain right mm -hmm. uh so like if OpenSea were to go down and someone tried to like buy your nft like it wouldn't work uh yeah. because they don't have like the necessary information okay uh pseudoswap is trying to put all of the data on chain um and is this the one that's made by this guy owen um, i think zero x Owen uh, or something like that um, i think seen, i think so parents, um, right? um so it's they crazy about pseudoswap right? is uh, I don't think so. No? Um, okay. Uh, it, I might be there's another something one. Else. Sorry, go ahead. Um, su sumo swap is that one? Sumo swap. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, like, uh, uh, they created this protocol where basically you can put in like an NFT and on chain you can offer it up for a certain price and they create pools like uniswap style so it can either be like linear where it's just like every nft in the pool has the same price or it's like you know exponential where like the marginal nft costs you more than the last one um or you know some other mixture right like but the mm -hmm. idea is it's supposed to be like automated market makers but like with nfts instead of fungible tokens um the problem is there, there are two problems here, right? The the first one is that like gas um, means that like this is just not the place that you're going to get the best price to buy or sell your NFT, right? Um, like it's just like unnecessary usage of the blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the other issue, and this is like the bigger one, is that like they're not incentivizing anybody to like stake their NFTs the way that looks rare did. Um, okay, and so there's no incentive to actually provide liquidity here other than 
you know, say you want to sell your NFT for one ETH and you're looking at this, you're like, well, it's going to cost me 0.01 ETH in gas to like even list this thing here. So yeah. I'll, I'll put it on offer for 1.02 or three or whatever. Right. Um, and that quickly creates like a marketplace where like nobody's getting as good of a price here as they would get on like a centralized NFT exchange. Um, and people just care about execution. Right. The other thing is that, uh, and this is what I find like kind of interesting, uh, this creates an MEV avenue, right? So if you're trying to arb, if you're trying to arb a centralized exchange versus a decentralized exchange for an ERC twenty, uh, there's a fair amount of waiting involved. Like, say that the price is higher on Coinbase than it is on Uniswap. Mm-hmm. I buy the token on Uniswap. I send it to Coinbase, and I'm sitting there waiting for 32 transactions, or mm. sorry, for 32 blocks to happen, yeah. so that Coinbase will finally let me sell my token. And if I'm not the first one, I might as well be the last one, right? Um, so with this, it's a little bit different because both sides of the trade, like like the actual execution part, happen on chain. So if you see that someone's bidding three ETH for like your NFT on, you know, PseudoSwap and you can buy one for 2.9 ETH on OpenSea, you should execute both of those transactions, right? That's right. You could even do it in the same block. Um, so, uh, so it opens up like a really interesting MEV avenue. Huh? Wow. Well, if you, which is if why the spreads are... will naturally be wider on pseudo swap, right? Because right. like there's an arbitrage incentive anytime they like come close to touching, right? Ah. Um, Interesting. Well, the NFT marketplace, like at least like the order book side, is super fractured. That is for sure. Um, and it seems like I don't know. I I don't know if the answer is putting everything on chain, right? Like it seems like an ambitious or at least like a nice lofty goal but i don't know if that's the answer look i personally love the idea here's what i would like to see i would like to see a fully on-chain order book right uh on something like polygon but because it's evm compatible all it does is like creates data that everyone can see because it's publicly on the blockchain and then you can use something like layer zero to broadcast that message over to Ethereum and actually match the orders there. Mm. So you can have EV, you can have Ethereum yeah. NFTs, but you can have like the database part of it in a public blockchain, right? Right, that's right. Like um, use the Serum order book just for that part of it, but then execute on Ethereum. Yeah, because all you need is like the signed like bid and offer orders, right? That's, right. Uh, that's the part huh. that doesn't get sent. That's the part that's that OpenSea or whoever, whatever centralized exchange is hanging on to for you. Uh, mm. Wow, we should build this. Yeah, it sounds pretty interesting, actually. All right, we're going to cut the pod now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, one last thing. If you did want to get more into the MEV part of this, listen to our deep dive. That'll be linked below. Otherwise, we'll be back in a few days with another deep dive. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Till then, stay decent. This was financial advice, legal advice, investment advice, or any other kind of advice. Uh, If you're looking for advice, you are definitely in the wrong place. Uh, Until next time, stay decent.